0: This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier
1: podcast for all things Penn State football.
0: Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program.
1: It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob
0: Flounders and David Jones. Ah, the joys of getting old with Dave Jones. Bob Flounders here with Dave. Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Dave haven't talked to you in a while. No. We definitely are going to get very quickly to uh, men's basketball, because I know that you've been covering them. I know you made a trip to the Palestra. They just had a big win, um, you know, a couple of days ago. Good for them. I want to get your thoughts on that. But before, just real quick, I wanted to ask you about somebody that you covered on the Penn State football beat that you liked and really respected a lot. I did too. Paul Puzlozny is going into the Hall of Fame no, oh. he's a member of the 2024 class. I wanted to talk just a little bit about him and kind of get your perspective for the Penn State fans. Also, I don't know if you saw who's in the 2024 class. It is loaded. I want to throw out some names to you, but just Pazlozny. This is
1: the college football Hall of Fame, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's going to be a member of the 2024 class. Um, great career Which is, is now in Atlanta, right? I, I, I think it is. I think they go to Vegas, um, but I just, uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, what he did for Penn State, what he did at Penn State. He was a guy that could have left early, stayed for his final season, there at a critical time, played in 03 and 04, and then he was a leader on the 05 team, stayed through the 06 year, but really, really an intense guy who was, who was an all-time great.
1: Yeah, that that um I've c I just called myself doing this. You remember when when you were answering asking the question? I went. You remember, remember when Sparky Anderson used to
0: do that? You know, Tony <laughs> Kurt would be up in the booth, and and you go. Sparky looked like he was seventy five when he was like forty five. That's what I remember him.
1: <laughs> he did. Yeah, I think he. I was hard of hearing even at like thirty. Yeah, he
0: had white hair when he was
1: in his late forties. The almost the moment he was hired in nineteen seventy. But Palozni, I will never forget you remember before the o five season and not long before that you had been actually turning the screws on paterno saying because uh, the previous five years had been nothing short of
0: other than o two which they were they were good uh, they're decent again but it was like two thousand. 2001, 2003, and 2004.
1: Four losing seasons out of five. Uh, I believe it was 28 and 37 during that time. Is that I just right? remember three and nine
0: and four and seven, and I was like, why did I Why did I accept this job to be on this beat? <laughs> that that isn't
1: part of it because you really never got to – 0-2 oh. was your first season, right? 0-2 was yeah. your first season on
0: the beat? There yeah. was some bad football right at the start.
1: 2 was fun but man 03 was grim and 04 was what was what was noticeable about the the 04 defense is how good they were under utterly trying circumstances because they still hold some sort of record and Pazluzny and Dan Connor and all those guys are just yaing so.
0: was was kind of just starting to get started the 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 greatness of the 2005 team on the defensive end was really the roots were in maybe o four
1: the rice and 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 Alford and all those guys are young pups yeah, 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 I mean, and we could still remember all those guys now, I mean, you could probably name the entire eleven they
0: they they fought they fought to the bitter end, a losing fight, and they didn't go quietly on yeah, i don't problems.
1: I don't know that fans always appreciate a defense under siege. When they have to be out there, 80, 90 plays every game. I mean, and that was, a, that was at the beginning of, of, of high-paced offenses. It really hadn't taken hold, but it's, it's pretty much getting into vogue there. Joe Tiller had started basketball on grass. So you, you're out there more snaps, and you just, you're just dying. That 4-7 and team, that defense never gave up more than 21 points. In all these awful 11 games, they never gave up more than 21, and yet they were four and seven.
0: Yeah. And they had to win their final two games to get to four. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. With a big rout of Michigan State at the very end. But yeah. I don't remember when you turned the screws on Joe, but I believe the wording was Do you think you deserve to coach another season? Was that? I
0: think if, if things continue the way they are, do you yeah. deserve to be back next season?
1: And then Trevor Maddox jumped your ass on TV. Yeah. Who's, who's all of a sudden made a renaissance? You look,
0: he doesn't look great on TV, but <laughs> I didn't even know he was still around. I think it is Mark May next. Is he he's back? like
1: a warehouse with a head. You know, he's just he's he's a big man. Um and so this is this is kind of the the tableau there where we're going into oh five preseason media day. Uh I remember talking to three people, and they were the captains. I believe that's who they made available. Um, For 05? Probably on the, on the, on, in the meeting room. Well, you I know, think it was I
0: Midas, Paul Puzzlesley, and Michael Robinson, I believe. Correct.
1: Those are the three captains. And you remember. I mean, how many other teams do you remember all three captains?
0: I, I'll never forget that team. I really, Not just because of what they did, but because of how hard they played and how good they were.
1: I remembered all of their conviction, but especially Pazluzny, uh, during those little sessions. And you can't fake that stuff. You can't fake it. it you see it in a guy's eyes, even at a, a kid that age. And I, I remember seeing it in Joe Crispin before the '01 basketball season, two, the fall of 2000, when he said, "We're making the NCAA tournament," and like there had been no sniff in the NCAA tournament in five years, and. He really, really, really meant it. That's the way Paul Posluzny was then. And combined with Zomaitis and Robinson, they all kind of took care of a third of that team's personnel. There was a third of each team of the personnel that, and I don't know how to say it other than, Posluzny was kind of the, the, you know what I mean. I'm not going to get into it, but, but, all football players are different on a team and it takes leadership in different sectors of it. And you can imagine Zaminas was a tough street kid kind of kid. Michael Robinson's a, a much more kind of up, upstanding. I think he was the glue of everybody and Puzlouzny's, you know, the the white Catholic kids who you're from places like Cincinnati Moeller And, and he's, he's that kid. Um, and together, they were a real leadership troika, a, a trio. And I went on Daily News Live, one of my few really good predictions. I
0: remember those shows. And, I always and, watched them.
1: And and and, and, and Barkan asked us what – it's me and Dana O'Neill and Dick Girardi. And Dana went to Penn State, so that she's on for other reasons, but she was on. And uh, they both say seven and four, six and five. And I, back then it was uh, 11 games in the regular season. And I said, 10 and one. And everyone went, what? Because they hadn't, they haven't had even a winning season, but once in the last five seasons. You finally got and,
0: one right, Jones. You finally, I finally got
1: one right. right. And, and blind squirrel. And and Barkan says, well, wait a minute. What? He, Girardi went, whoa, whoa. In that Philly way that he does. And. I said, I just believe in the leadership and the conviction of this team. And this defense has been really good. And I think it's going to be even better than it was. I mean, that 05 defense, you stacked that one up against this last one. I don't know who you pick. Who do you pick?
0: Well, I'll tell you talent-wise, I think maybe this this defense was a little bit deeper, especially in the in in the back end. But in terms of uh on the field, you know, I mean, I think they're they're very close, but I would say, I would say the guys like Tom Bahali and Paul Puzlozdi, You saw a little bit of Dan Connor. I think he was a freshman, maybe, or he was he was a young player on that 05 team. Their their best players were not only good in college; they were just good players, and they were good players at the next level. Tom Bahali, I think, is a is a Hall of Fame candidate uh, for what he did at the Chiefs, and Paul, you know uh drafted in the second round by the Bills, played late. He played for a long time, played for the Jaguars. I think Sean Lee might have been a freshman on that team. But those guys, those guys were those guys were really really hard-nosed and talented. So you, there are talented guys, Dave, and there are hard-nosed guys, but not you don't always see both. You know what I mean? They they were they were both and that's what I think set them apart.
1: I think they're still pissed off about that Michigan game, all those guys. I
0: think yeah, they should be. They should be. That was a team that, that was there to be had. They they rallied a, an incredible rally, and they just couldn't get off the field at the end.
1: Tom Bradley checked in with me a couple of weeks ago when he heard about my retirement. He called, and we had a we had a good talk. Still talking and, about it. Well, you know, Joe always liked to play zone, and he, he liked zone coverage, and I don't know whose call that was, but I think down there... Don't you have to play man defense and trust your guys down there? That was a, it. Was a one second left from the ten, is that right? And Chad Henney is the quarterback, and Mario Manningham is running the slant, and one didn't pass off to the other. It, you know, it's pretty complicated to get to play zone coverage down. There. Well, I don't know. How do you feel? You don't want to get picked off in man. You don't want a rub route so you get picked off. On the other hand,
0: it wasn't. It was. It was the everyone remembers the last play, but. You know, they – Michigan, I think, think had a short field after a kick return, but they just couldn't make – they couldn't make one play in the whole sequence to really – whether it was a negative play or to get them. But, yeah, I think you have to give – I think Chad Henney Henney was a freshman uh, or he was either a freshman – yeah, he was a – I think he was a true freshman. And that was a heck of a drive for a true freshman in that environment. I know he was at home, but against that defense – um, I think you got to give Michigan credit too.
1: Yeah, they plus two seconds, Bob. <laughs> two seconds.
0: We'll do it, Dave. You're just going to get it riled <laughs> up again.
1: Let's go through. Let's go through the the airports. You know, remember when are how how did we manage manage uh, social media? There wasn't any social media. It was just emails, right, from fans, uh, and they yeah, were flooding. I, I,
0: there was really no social media back then.
1: Flooding no. our fa- flooding our phones with emails. I guess we're checking because. I probably had a razor. You know, I don't know what you had, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it is we have, we are hearing we must have gotten on our laptops in the Detroit airport. And I mean, I still remember you just shaking your head at all these people talking about Lloyd Carr putting two seconds back on the clock and, and with the, the officials. Then.
0: But that day that that defense. Let me just real quick before we wrap up Puzzles, Nate, just just I think. You know, and I know a lot of Penn State fans are are you know remember that team for, but for for Penn State fans that might be in their 20s or 30s, they don't really remember. So Paul, you know, he was a Western PA kid. Uh, we saw him at the very end of the 2003 season again at Michigan State play a lot as a true freshman. He had three separate hundred tackle seasons. When he left Penn State, I think he led the he was the all time leading tackler because uh, he never got off the field. I think 372. But he was also, you know, he won the, I think he won the Bednarik twice, the Buckets once. He was an academic All-American. I mean, talk about, you know, talk about a well-rounded guy who 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 was just an elite player. We had LeVar Arrington, I think, go into the Hall of Fame in 2022. I think Paul Puzzlisny is a worthy Dave, very worthy. Inclusion and I just before we, before we get to the basketball, I just want to read you who else some of the guys that are also in this class. And my first thought is, how did, these, how did these guys have to wait so long to get into the college hall of fame? But I won't read you the entire class, but some of the names, um, Tim Couch, the Kentucky quarterback, n- not great in, in the NFL, but yeah, he was, it's a
1: college hall of fame, it's a college yeah, hall of
0: fame, yeah. yeah. Tim Couch was one, Warwick Dunn, Larry Fitzgerald. Dan, Ham, Dan Hampton, who was a, a standout at Arkansas.
1: I didn't know Dan, Dan Hampton played at Arkansas. Huh?
0: Yeah. yeah. Steve right. Hutchinson, the Michigan offensive lineman that was on the uh, 97 national championship team. Randy Moss, Julius Peppers. Um, wow. Yeah, Julius Peppers. And I don't know, I think this guy was pretty good. You would remember him uh, from his uh, college days. Chris Ward, the offensive lineman from Ohio State. But that's, that's a hell of a class.
1: Yeah, and and it it kind of points up that college football is a different sport than the NFL. And a, a lot of these guys were just pluggers in the NFL, where they had good long careers, and and maybe not all pro, but just lasting twelve years like a lot of those guys did in the NFL. I mean, my God, that's that's hard labor. So all all credit to Paul, uh, nice guy too, and one of the most amazing necks like yeah. anyone's ever seen. Right. There's a guy who did not. He had a he had like a built-in neck roll back when neck rolls were a thing.
0: I think Paul. I think late in his career, Paul had he had scar tissue on the bridge of his nose from all those collisions. And I think most games, like you, they would cut to him on the sideline, and he was usually bleeding. And uh, I just I just think that's kind of a how <laughs> I'm going to remember him. Maybe I, maybe I'm imagining that, but I seem I seem to recall a couple of those games late in his career where there was a lot of blood. He was uh, he was hell on wheels in that 2005 win at, win over Ohio State. The whole defense was um, in that game, but he just uh, the bigger the game. Um, I think the bigger he played that that season uh, before the Ohio State game when they when they roughed up Minnesota, um, a game that really set the stage for the rest of that season. He had a big hit on the goal line on fourth and one. He met a running back. I think it was Maroney in midair. And that after that, after that, Minnesota was done. But he
1: and that and that was a good Minnesota team. They were ranch coming into that game. Big
0: offensive line, two good backs. I think, I think when you think about, you know, a list of maybe the 20 best Penn State players who's ever played, or even the top 15, I think he's on that list.
1: 44 14. I won't forget that game soon. That was kind of the. The the Northwestern, the, the game at Northwestern had been the week before. And you're thinking, I yeah, in the Northwestern yeah, game. where they, they pulled it out at the end.
0: Yeah.
1: Isaac Smolko. And then uh, maybe you're thinking, eh, maybe they got something here. And then the Minnesota game was just a beatdown. It was emphatic. Minnesota was ranked, I think they were ranked 14th in the nation or something. And you're going, whoa. And then you knew they really had something, which was a big deal at the time. It was a renaissance of Penn State football.
0: But fun year to cover. Maybe the most enjoyable year I had on the beat just to watch this team play so hard. It wasn't just the defense. The offense did, too. They had a really good special teams, too. Uh, Ethan Kilmer was a madman as a coverage guy. But I just thought that team got after it, maybe as much as any Penn State team, uh, in terms of playing hard. They, they brought it every game. You know, they lost one game to Michigan. They brought it in that game. And I I think that it has a lot to do with the three players who led that team, and Paul was one of
1: them. Plus, the bowl hotel was great in Miami. <laughs> wasn't it
0: great? Yeah. You cannot get sidetracked about the Orange Bowl. We are gonna, we're going to segue to one of your favorite topics, college basketball. Uh, huge win. Huge win. Johnny and I just barely touched on it. Uh, a little bit earlier this week, I just wanted to get your thoughts on where this program is, uh, what Mike Rhodes has been able to do. I know they're nine and nine, and it's been you know good and bad, but they they had a nice win at the Palestra. I know you were there, and the win over Wisconsin—that's a that's a pretty good team they beat. What do you make of this team? You know, after eighteen games.
1: Well, they're they're pasted together from spare parts. I mean, they they are the classic portal area era team where a coach has to come in and just grab whatever he can however he can from whatever sources he can and some uh hit some miss and you've got to glue all these guys together there were 10 guys from the portal i think mike rhodes got in 59 days i think it was he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done in coaching and he's had two head coaching uh jobs in in the bigs and another one at uh in 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 small college he's been a head coach for a long time he's not the kind of guy who gets a uh, big big time coaching job through being an assistant in a a huge program he really learned how to do it and he said it's the hardest thing he's ever done um and the last two months have been really hard too and just trying to get these guys to know each other, trust each other. Basketball is about trust, and to some to some extent, so is football because you got so many guys out there. Uh, what Bill Belichick always said is just do your job, because he didn't. I, I believe the rationale was that that sounds like a simplistic statement, but you want to just convince guys if the, if they do their job, they don't have to worry about. You just trust that I'll get everyone else to do their job and that will build trust. You just do your job. Worry about your job. Don't think, oh, what if this guy fails over here? I might have to do this. Don't worry about that. Just do your job. That is really hard in basketball when you've got guys from different places all meshing together trying. And in this instance especially, they've got two point guards. Two real alpha dogs in Kanye Clary, who was one of the very few leftovers along with Demetrius Lilly from the, the old team under Micah Shrewsbury, uh, who did not play all that much last year. He started getting important minutes in the NCAA game. Um, Micah put him in against A&M and took him out after he did some <laughs> crazy harebrained drive to the hole because – I, I, I watched the tape later, and Micah turns around and, like, like points at somebody, getting does not one of those, because he was so disgusted. The game, the game was a blowout. I mean, they were up 26 or something at the time on A&M, which was amazing. But that was big. Clary had, had, had some really good minutes in Chicago in the NCAA tournament, but he was playing about, you know, six, eight minutes last year most of the time. Sometimes didn't get in the games. All of a sudden, he's thrust on the scene, and he has taken it and run with it. Man, he has been a phenomenon. A little out of control sometimes. Does like trick shots off glass, like Willie Muscone. You know, he, he. I've never seen a kid back to Taylor battle. There is no battle. one
0: other than you and I who got that reference. But I okay,
1: love Minnesota Fats. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone's um, heard of it. I mean, pool like,
0: fire, pool yeah, horse. using using. Using
1: spin on the ball on in pool the rail, but on here on the glass is is kind of a lost art. I mean, the stuff he does is it, it's forget Allen Iverson. It's it's like early Nate Archibald. And you talk about stuff nobody saw because I was in I was in Ohio and I got games
0: tiny, but you can call him Nate.
1: Well, back then, he was Nate the Skate. That's, <laughs> that's what the guy called him on the radio in, in Cincinnati on <laughs> WLW, if you could believe that. didn't never stuck. But you would hear him talk about this guy, and then you'd have to see him with the Cincinnati Royals before they moved to Kansas City to become the Kings, who are now Sacramento Kings. But Nate Archibald was a phenomenon. I mean, a phenomenon. One of the things he did back then was the way he used spin off the glass. I mean, he was amazing doing that. That's what Kanye Clary is doing. He's he's shooting shots that don't look like they have any businesses going in. You know, five, eight feet off the backboard from one edge of the uh, off the lane, and throwing these things off the glass, and they're going in. And he did it uh, at the end of the game with thirty seconds, thirty-seven seconds left to go against Wisconsin to essentially ICA and take it from four up to six. And that was the end. I mean, the shot he made there. Uh he combines like Taylor Battle's ability to do that with Tim Frazier's incredible quickness. Uh he is a phenomenon. He's shooting like 56% on two pointers, which is crazy for a little guard. And then he's he's shooting a, a good percentage, I think 38, 37 from three. Uh he's he's making a lot of shots. Uh, but on the other hand, He's a true point guard, and he's kind of had to defer to the other point guard that Mike Rhodes brought with him from Virginia Commonwealth, Adrian Ace Baldwin, who really has to be a point guard. He really needs the ball. Clary can kind of play off the ball. They finally, after a couple months, seem to have learned to play together, and they're trying hard. Uh, it was a struggle. They lost a buck now, which which was a bad loss at home in December. Uh, they did not look Did not look like the kind of team they look like now. They're not gonna win any trophies. They're three and four in the Big Ten. Um that's about the the strata they're gonna finish, I think, eight, eight, eight and twelve, uh, seven and thirteen. But for this team, uh doing what it can do, and they don't they shoot threes very erratically, um, and they have no interior presence uh, outside of uh Qutis Wahab, who who's one one big they have out of uh, Georgetown. Uh, they and and he also went to Maryland. They're doing the best they can. That's what you can say about
0: them. All right. Uh, just I have one question for you. I looked at Penn State's schedule, the Ben's basketball schedule. I think they play this Saturday. We're
1: at Columbus. Yeah, and then
0: the following Saturday. So they're they're essentially down. There's a lot of downtime next week. I think they just play Saturday, then, then the following Saturday. My question for you is: Is there any chance? You could convince Mike Rhodes to come on this podcast.
1: I don't know. We could try. In season, it's kind of tough.
0: I know, but I did notice there's a little bit of a break there. I know that I know that you and him have a relationship. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it would be a fascinating. You're
1: talking check. about middle of next week, yeah? Because
0: it's they just they're they're off. It's between Saturday and Saturday.
1: You know, uh, they've got a terrific media relations person there, and Chelsea Valhauer. I, I will give it a shot.
0: I know you, you would enjoy it too, I think he would he's, as well.
1: He's a great guy. I've known him forever. Yeah, uh, he, that's his, the thing is
0: you guys go, you guys go back.
1: His mentor is was Pat Flannery. I, I think I told you last podcast that you know what I was doing during the the the, the Buster Douglas Tyson fight.
0: I I don't I can't remember, but I, I you do mention Buster Douglas and Tyson. I was
1: fight. in Anvil covering a Lebanon Valley College game. Uh, I think Mike was a freshman, so I'm I not think sure. Mike
0: Rhodes owes you because you were there. So <laughs> <when I'm, laughs> you owe me. You need to. You need to pull that. You need to pull that card.
1: Uh, that's tough in season, I but I will give it a shot.
0: I know. I know it's a long shot, but if he says yes, it'll be a great podcast. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Uh, it's not necessarily Penn State related, but and I don't know how much you've been following, but I just as time goes by every day, I just get more and more. I don't know if mesmerized is the right word, but by
1: Caitlin Clark State Farm. Commercials. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. That's I saw your column. It was great. <laughs> I hate to say this, but it's Jim Harbaugh. I just can't. It's I'm like I'm off to a flame. I don't know. What, I don't know what this guy is going to do next. That's going to just have leave me shaking my head.
1: I had a really great. Has something happened today with the no, charges? No, I mean
0: he's flirting with the NFL. He's trying to get this weird contract from Michigan that protects against charges.
1: Something is going to happen today. Oh, you do? I can tell oh, you. It's,
0: it's Thursday.
1: It's we're going to know. Put it this. Put it this way. We're going to know something. I believe today. Uh, he. <clears throat> He has already talked to the Chargers. I believe you talked to the Falcons. Correct. That's right. Um, the Chargers is the job that you would want of those two and or any of them, correct? I mean, the uh, what about the Commanders? What's going on there?
0: I don't know that he is on their radar. I know that <clears> – <throat> I think the Chargers are very interested in him. The Falcons are also are flirt- flirting with Bill Belichick, so I'm not sure.
1: Or, as far as – just your opinion as far as cap space – management ownership wouldn't the chargers be the choice for you if you were especially in weather i mean you're you're going out there it's
0: it is weather and they have a quarterback um atlanta does not have a quarterback but they're better positioned um but yeah you you take the chargers job though you're you're in a division you're in a division with andy Reid. uh i
1: don't think he cares about that i know
0: but i mean i just think that I just I just don't I never know what this guy is going to do next and I'm just not sure if he's making it up or if this is all part of a master plan. Does he real does he have any interest in coming back to Michigan? Does he does he want to get out of there on a big note? Like what do you think?
1: You're kind of a Seinfeldophile, right? I mean, you've seen enough of them. Sure. You you remember the the Hamptons episode <laughs> where <laughs> where Jane Jane came yeah, shrinkage and Jane's topless and all that, right? And, and, and I mean, it's got a lot of great bits in it. And and Elaine is like smitten by the doctor, who's also a guest there because he's handsome and he and she's like, oh, my God. And they're out on the on the deck, you know, and they're having wine and and they've and he's he's the pediatrician because they you got to see the baby. And, the, <laughs> and remember, it's the it's the also the ugly baby. Yeah, uh, episode. <laughs> have you? My God, have you seen it? It's an incredible episode, really. Yeah, and she tries to make conversation with the doctor some night, huh? Some sunset, huh? Some ugly baby, huh? And and he, he, and before that, he's kind of doing this. You remember, he's like complete. Here is this beautiful girl next to him. He's looking at the sky and doing this, this stuff like this. That's Jim Harbaugh. That's Jim Harbaugh. He's just wired differently, man. I mean, he. Anybody else would be uh, like chatting up the girl. But that's he's just not on our wavelength. That's genuine. That is absolutely genuine. It's not an act. If that's what you're talking about, I can tell you that is true. And my brother-in-law is on the staff and I've heard lots of our boss stories. He's not a normal dude. He's just not a normal human. This isn't
0: fake. This is not this is just how he is.
1: Oh, yeah. And some people can deal with it and some can't. And I guess with the 49ers, there were too many people who couldn't deal with
0: it. He wears thin.
1: Yeah, there, there are people who can work for him and people who can't. And I think people have forgotten that during this late run of success. I mean, he hit a sweet spot here. Look, I was wrong saying that he would never win a Big Ten title. And here he's won the national title. But I was think about how close I was. I mean, he was that interview with the Vikings from being out the door. People at Michigan wanted him gone. They were like, don't let the door hit you in the ass. You remember that? People forgetting that now. And That's
0: that. Ohio State, when they got—they just got blown They were out. getting
1: hammered every year. But a couple of things happened. Two guys were all of a sudden out of the picture, Urban Meyer and Mark D'Antonio. And they were his nemeses. They were. They both had ways to beat him. He was kind of intractable in what he did on offense. He was bringing in Josh Gattis to kind of revamp the offense. He was questioning himself. Jim Harbaugh questioning himself. That didn't work out. He was casting about. He was casting about for solutions. This is Jim Harbaugh, all right? They were that close. If he hadn't botched that interview with the Vikings, he would have been out the door and they never would have won anything. I always thought he had an eye on the NFL. I did. It's just that Urban Meyer left and Mark D'Antonio left, and that the guys in their place were not close to the tacticians and workmen like drill sergeants. Also, the portal happened. And I think. Harbaugh for all of my comments about how he'd be intractable. I think he's adapted to the portal and uh, nil. He's embraced nil, which a lot of coaches haven't. I mean, Davo Sweeney is he won't he won't he won't modernize at all. He's like an, an archaic, you know. Uh, he's absolute obsolete, and Harbaugh has is smart that way. He has embraced it, but it is a new age. I don't think Urban Meyer can coach anymore, period, because his act in coercing players is not going to work with big boys in the NFL. We saw that in Jacksonville. And now he can't come in and lean on college players because they're like, you know, they're like, F you. You know, I don't I don't need this. They've got options. They've got power because money is power and they're getting money. So he can't do what he did anymore. Harbaugh can do either. I think if the Chargers job is offered to him, he'll take it. And I don't think any of the other jobs are good enough quite to entice him. If that doesn't come through, I think he'll stay.
0: Yeah. And if he leaves, he's leaving on a great note, right? He, he, he destroyed the program. He, he got him a national title. It's a great walk-off, and he can, he can spend the next it time. It
1: is amazing how it happened because he kind of dismissed Gattis and took over the offense, put, installed Sharon Moore in his place. Usually, offensive line coaches are not good play callers. I think Sharon Moore did a terrific job uh, in, that, in that job. Um, and it, all these things kind of worked out for him. I mean, all of a sudden, Ohio State was not this. Ohio State became less physical. And we have talked about that. So he becomes more physical. Ohio State's less physical. All of a sudden, he's got a little edge there, an advantage that they didn't have before. <coughs> um, Penn State's wide receiver room crumbles over the last few years. You know, James Franklin w- was beating him at home, at least, and beating him convincingly a couple times. Uh, they had probably, you could argue, better skill players for a while in offense. That stopped. And Michigan state was just, you know, an S show in every way. And all these things kind of happened for him, but he, he made some things happen too, you know, more power to him, except, except they're big fat cheaters, of course. But
0: <laughs> All right, Dave, we will talk next week. Hopefully you can get, you can get a special guest on the show. If not, we got a lot to get to. And, uh, uh, We'll get a hopefully one way or another. We're going to hear about uh, your thoughts on the men's basketball team. I just think they're fun. To, they're they're fun to follow because
1: fun team to watch.
0: they seems like they're capable of anything if they if they play the, the right that they if they goes their way. And uh, I think the, the Wisconsin game and the the Michigan game were proof. Did you have fun at the Pleasure?
1: The the oh my God the, the trapping. See that it was an awful first half and they couldn't make any shots and people are starting to grumble. But it's this beautiful atmosphere. It's just, the, 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 it's a day game. You've got the sun coming. There's no sun, but you've got sunlight coming through the windows. Yeah, it was a, a great experience again. It's a fun team to watch because they trap all over the court. They play a style that nobody else does.
0: All right, Devo, I will. Uh, we'll, talk ne- we'll talk next week, and uh, we'll see what Jim Harbaugh's next move is. We'll see what's new with Penn State. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.